Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. As we continue to explore the deep end of Christianity, this one thing stuck out to me from this past Sunday sermon. We were in Ephesians chapter 5, looking at verses 1 to 6. And the first verse, actually the first two verses, are so powerful. This is what Paul says. He says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I think there's a misconception in our world that uh, many of the things that we're supposed to do as Christians is just avoid things. I remember that being confused in my life growing up. There was a bunch of rules and regulations and things we weren't supposed to do. And honestly, for a while, I went to a public school that was kind of the testimony of Christians is that Christians just avoid fun things. There's things in the world that they're having fun doing, but Christians aren't supposed to do them. And that's the way that you know we're Christians is that we simply don't do things. We avoid certain things. And even the things we were avoiding back in the time that I grew up were, were even a wrong set of things. We got off course and started to make it about dancing and not going to movie theaters and not drinking and all kinds of stuff, dress code. And really, I don't, I don't know where exactly that began with, but either way, it was wrong because the main thing we weren't doing or we weren't properly discussing and, and making clear to everyone is that we're not here to not do things. That's not why God put us on the earth, to avoid things. But that, that, that often becomes a misconception in Christianity. And I think even it's possible for us to look at God's commandments that way because that's kind of how they're phrased, right? When you look at God's Ten Commandments, he says, Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And you kind of think, wow, we're just supposed to not do a lot of things, you know? Maybe our job on earth is just to avoid sins. If we can just stay clean and stay clear of sin, then maybe we're godly. Maybe that's all God wants us to do. He's going to put a tree in the midst of the garden and he's going to say, listen, I don't want you to eat of that tree. And if you don't eat of that tree, you're godly. But I think that's an incomplete story in scripture. I don't really think that's the point of why we're put here. Now, we are supposed to avoid things. And I want to make that clear. There are sins even mentioned in chapter 5 of Ephesians. Now, he says in verse 3, I want you to avoid sexual immorality and impurity or covetousness. None of those sins should even be named among you as is proper among saints. So there are things we're supposed to avoid. But the context of putting off sin, the context of avoiding sin, is this offensive commandment that we're given to walk in love, to imitate God. That's an offensive commandment. That's not a commandment of avoidance. That's not a thou shalt not. That's a thou shalt do. Be imitators of God and walk in love. And this is what I think is so interesting, that there's two things contrasted here. There's there's a walking in love and there's a walking in sin. And you don't really get a third category. You either have someone who's pursuing sin or someone who's pursuing love. There's no one really in the middle. There's no one neutral. There's no one who's kind of godly because they're avoiding sin, but they're not godly enough because they're not loving. It seems to me as I look into scripture that either you're walking in love or you're walking in sin. And Paul tells us here, we need to be imitating God. And then he says, we need to be loving as Christ loved us. Christ gave himself up for us. That's how he loved us. And I thought about Jesus as I reflected on how I wanted to talk about this today, because Jesus' life was a life of offense, not a life of defense. He did avoid sin. He did 
defend himself against the temptations of the devil in the wilderness. And he did avoid the sins that the devil was trying to get him to fall into. But if you look at Jesus' life, his life is all about offense. His life was all about walking in love. And I thought about this as an illustration. I have a wife of over 10 years now, and I, I love my wife. I, I, I really seek to love her as much as I can. But I thought about this. One of the biggest sins we have in our culture, and I think that's why Paul brings it up in this passage, is sexual immorality, fornication, infidelity, people who cheat on their spouse. And I know as Christians, that's, that's the last thing we ever want to think could happen to us, right? We want to be faithful to our spouse. We don't ever want to think that we're cheating on our spouse or, you know, something happens like that where we're hurting them and, you know, something comes out that was hidden. Man, that would be horrible. But oftentimes the way we approach not having that happen is too defensive. It's simply, here's the things I shouldn't do. Here's the boundaries I should have. And if I keep those boundaries and I don't go into these bad environments, then I won't cheat on my spouse I won't commit adultery and I'll be godly. But if you just keep reading in Ephesians chapter 5, he gets to the end of the passage where he says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And in verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And there's that idea of offense coming back up. That we're not supposed to just not hurt our wives. We're not just supposed to not commit adultery, to not cheat, to keep in the boundaries of what a faithful marriage should look like. No, the calling is much, much higher. Love your wives as Christ has loved the church. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Do you see that there? And circling back to what we're saying here, he says in verse 1, be imitators of God. That's an offensive commandment. Verse 2, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And using the analogy I just brought up with, is it good enough that I just don't commit adultery against my wife? No, it's not. I should also love my wife as Christ has loved the church. And I guess it's just a perspective difference. We're talking about the deep end here in Christianity, and there's just a shallow way to look at this is just going, oh man, I just need to avoid big sins. If I avoid those big red flag sins, and I also have, you know, church attendance and read my Bible occasionally, then I'm godly. But you're not if you don't walk in love. Because love is that overarching greatest commandment God ever gave us. Listen to these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Does that sound defensive or offensive? It sounds offensive to me. The second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That also sounds offensive to me. And that's what I want to think through here with the rest of our time today is how can we walk in offensive love, purposeful, intentional love for others and for God? That analogy that they brought up about me not cheating against my wife, I think what the best way for me to stay faithful to my wife is for me to walk in love every single day towards my wife. 
that obviously it would be unloving of me to ever be unfaithful to my wife. But I should be so many steps away from that that I should never even flirt with that because if I'm walking in love towards my wife, then I never get to exploring or being tempted by infidelity. I think the problem is, is we have this sort of middle ground that we think exists in Christianity that we're, we're not overly godly, you know, we're not, we're not really on fire. Uh, we do go to church, you know, we do have it in our habits and practices to some degree, but, but we're mainly focused on the fact that we don't have those big red flag sins. If we don't have those big red flag sins, there's nothing to charge us against. On the last day, God will go, good job, Christian, you avoided some really big sins. Way to go. But that's not what you see in scripture. Maybe in the shallow end you would see that, but in the deep end, this is what you see. Walk in love. Walk in love as Christ loved us. Think about that. Think about that commandment. That means that not only should I be not cheating on my wife, I should be faithfully, every day, sacrificially loving my wife as Christ loved the church. Do you see how that flips it on its end? Do you see how sin is approached with an offensive type of approach to love that I think a lot of the times sin is entertained because we're too stagnant. We're idle. You know, we're just kind of hanging out in the Christian circles going, okay, what's next? Uh, Am I doing okay? I'm still going to church. I'm reading my Bible occasionally. I'm not, I'm avoiding these big red flag sins. Okay. And I just kind of cruise there for a while, but little by little we're, we're approached by temptation and the devil. And the devil hangs these little sins over us going, wouldn't it be fun to explore other people, you know, other relationships? Wouldn't it be fun to be have more stuff and, you know, gain more possessions and material things upon the earth? Wouldn't it have more fun to just, you know, do some of the things the world is doing? Well, why are those things even temptations for us? I think the, re- the reason is, is because we're idle. We're idle instead of walking in love. We're idle instead of imitating God as beloved children. If you and I were really passionately giving ourselves to the command to love one another, sin never comes into the conversation. We don't have time for it. We don't have time. We are so purposeful, so offensive towards pursuing love that sexual immorality is the furthest thing from our mind. Impurity and covetousness are things we don't ever explore. And honestly, I think about that with my wife saying, man, the worst thing that could ever happen in my relationship with Janine is that it's found out that I'm unfaithful to her. Yes, that's true. That would be the worst thing that could destroy a marriage, that could destroy a family. But why don't I take that same approach towards not walking in love with my wife? That every single day that if I, if I take a too defensive approach to my relationship with my wife, then I'll, I'll just hang out. I'll just avoid things. And I won't passionately, offensively pursue loving her. And I think that's what's interesting is Christ gives us a commandment to walk in love. There's an action there with it. He doesn't even just say love. He says walk in it. Walk in love. Every single day, get up and go on the journey to find love, to pursue love. And do it in the way that Christ loved you. So don't even just love with a, with a worldly type of love. Love with a Christ-like type of love, with sacrifice. And do it every single day. Walk in love. And if I loved my wife to that degree, there's not a chance that I would ever explore infidelity, ever a chance explore adultery. Because I would so be 
pursuing love as a habit and theme of my marriage. And that's how God wants our relationship with Christ and with others. Because that's what God does. That's what Jesus did. Jesus lived up on this earth for about 33 years. And every single day he's walking in love. It's not like Jesus just came to this earth and was avoiding things. Hey, you know, sexual morality. Hey, adultery. Hey, you know, murder. Hey, thievery and all these things. And he's like, nope, not doing that, not doing that, not doing that. No, Jesus purposefully strove after love towards his neighbor, towards his God every day. And that kept Jesus holy. That kept Jesus obedient. He didn't entertain sin because sin wasn't even close to walking in love. And the problem is, is oftentimes we're, we're not near love and we have time to consider sin. We're not walking in love, so we don't have a purpose that day. So sin is a purpose and it's brought to our door and the, te and the temptation is there to say, listen, there's not much to do. So why don't you just play around with this sin for a while? But if you look at the scriptures in a completely different light and you see this offensive, never satisfied going forward of walking in love, going, man, I'm not there yet. I don't love others as Christ has loved me. I don't love my wife as Christ has loved the church. I haven't imitated God in my love yet. That means I have more steps to take. I got to get up every single day and pursue love with a righteous energy, a violence even, to say, listen, I have to love today. Love is my number one agenda. It's my number one priority. I can't not get to love today. So therefore, I'm going after it. And do you see how you sort of attack sin while offensively pursuing love? Because the, te the temptations of the devil can't really find their way to your heart then. They can't find their way to your mind. You can't really sit down in an idle period and explore whether sin is wrong or right, whether it's a gray area or not, because you're so purposeful in pursuing love as the greatest commandment God ever gave you. And that's what I love about the Christian life is that it gives us something to do, not something to avoid. And what's interesting is even those 10 commandments that we mentioned, if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is kind of reforming those things in a way, saying, listen, I, knew what, I know what you're thinking, that it's about just not murdering and it's just a not about committing adultery. But I'm going to tell you today, it's about love. It's about love. Yes, adultery hurts your neighbor. Yes, Murder hurts your neighbor. Yes, thieving and covetousness and all these kinds of things hurt your neighbor. But here's the thing I want you to do, not just not hurt your neighbor. I want you to benefit your neighbor. I want you to bless your neighbor. I want you to strengthen your behavior, your neighbor. I want you to build them up. I want you to walk in love. And I'm going to teach you that. And then I'm going to show you that. And my life is going to be culminated by the absolute highest pinnacle of walking in love. I'm going to give myself to the cross. I'm not going to find myself there by falling into it backwards, going, oh, I avoided sin, so I, I found the cross. No, I, I loved my God and I loved my people. And because of that, people crucified me. They couldn't take it. They didn't want to see it. They rejected me. They hated my lifestyle of loving God and loving others, so they killed me for it. But Jesus found himself on the cross because he offensively, violently, aggressively pursued walking in love every single day. It got him into a mess here upon the earth. And that's our calling. That's what God has called us to, to walk in love as Christ loved us. Is that what you're doing in the Christian life? I don't know why we miss it. It's, I mean, if we just look at the two greatest commandments, we see it. 
love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself? And what if we took that question and applied it to every decision we make in our life? Does it love my God? Would it love my neighbor? What kinds of things are you and I spending time on if that's the question we always ask? Don't you think we arrive at better decisions? Don't you think we spend our time doing better things if the question isn't, is it wrong? Is it sin? No, but does it love my Lord? And does it love my neighbor? Is it walking in love? Does it be, is it characterized by a person that's walking in love as Christ loved us? If I applied that simply to my marriage, my marriage is going to be strong. My wife is going to be blessed. She is going to be built up. Not only am I trying to not cheat on her, as if that's the holiest thing I can do. That's not the holiest thing I can do. The holiest thing I can do is wake up every single day and put my needs to the side and my desires to the side and say, I'm going to help and bless my wife today. Because that's my calling. My calling is to make her like Christ makes the church holy, spotless, blemish-free, that I might sanctify her. That's the word it uses. That I might cleanse her by the washing of water with the word. What if I woke up every single day and pursued fidelity to my wife? Not just avoided infidelity. I think that changes the narrative a little bit. I think that changes the way we think and the way we act in the Christian life. And it does another beautiful thing. We avoid sin by doing that. It's kind of like a flowing stream. You know, a stream that's going somewhere, that a water that's moving doesn't have time to breed bacteria. Stagnant water does, though. Stagnant water that's just sitting there most likely is going to have bacteria growing in it. And I know that's a really simple analogy, but it works in my mind. Because a flowing river is going somewhere. It's moving. It doesn't have the time to breed, you know, impure things. And that's kind of the illustration for the Christian life is don't just be idle. Don't just avoid things. Pursue love every single day. Look at the people in your life and ask the question, how can I love them today? God, give me an opportunity. Let me pray for them. Let me show them your love. Let me bless them somehow today. Give me an opportunity today, God. And it has this great twofold thing. We're glorifying God and imitating God. And at the same time, we're resisting the sin that would plague our lives by doing one thing, pursuing love. And when I think about how infidelity would hurt my wife, if I apply the same kind of thinking, then the lack of love hurts my wife. If there's a higher calling than just not cheating on my wife, then I can use the same logic to say when I don't love my wife, it has a similar, a similar tone as to cheating against my wife. When I don't love her, when I withhold my love from her, because my, my desire as a husband, my goal as a husband is not to just not cheat. My goal is to love Janine as Christ has loved the church. And I, that means I always have work to do. That means there's always something to work on. There's always something to strive for because I'm not there yet. And I don't think any of us are there yet. And the same can be asked for every single person in your life. Are you loving them as Christ has loved you? Probably not, right? Probably not your dad or your mom or your brother, or your sister, your wife, your husband, your children, those friends and family that you have, those co-workers, those neighbors that live near you. Are you loving them as Christ has loved you yet? No. Okay. Then keep going. Keep going until that can be said yes. And it's probably not going to be said yes until the other side 
So keep going. And that's your calling. And that's my calling. To love as Christ has loved us. Do you see how high that bar is? And that bar is high on purpose because God knows that by striving for that, we will be holy. We will be righteous. We will avoid sin. We will conquer the devil. Instead of just this idle, autopilot, cruise control Christianity that we have, that we're just like, okay, as soon as the temptation comes up to cheat against my wife, I'm going to say no. And when I say no, I'm going to be holy. But that's not it. That's never what it's been about. It's always been about radical, sacrificial, faithful love towards God, first and foremost, and then people. And I want to think about that with my relationship with the Lord too. Not just am I not serving other gods, but am I serving him? Not just not taking his name in vain, but am I glorifying his name? You see how the difference is? Do you see how I change it from a defensive approach to an offensive approach? And I say, wow, there's my goal today. My goal every single day that I wake up is to love my Lord and love my neighbor. And until I can say that I've loved them as Christ has loved me, I still have work to do. And I hope we will change the narrative today. I hope we will flip the tables on the devil because he wants us to just explore sin. If he can get us to explore sin, then half the battle is won. Because he knows eventually the more we think about sin, the more we consider sin, the more we have time to think about it, revel in the fact that, oh, we could be having more fun and stuff like that. We will eventually go down those roads. But what if we're walking down the road of love all the time? We're always pursuing greater love, higher, <laughs> higher ways to love. Imagine that. The devil has a really hard time to get us to walk down the path of sin because we're pursuing something. We're seeking to get somewhere. We're seeking to take a hold of something instead of just not sinning. And I think that's a deep end version of Christianity that I hope we will consider today. I hope you will look at the way Jesus loves you, loved you when he was on the earth, died for you, and then how he loves you now. It's purposeful. It's offensive. It is something that he seeks to do every single day for us is walk in love. Not just not hurt us, not just not be cruel to us, but to love us. Will we take that today and love as God has loved us? Because when we do, we imitate God. When we do, we imitate Jesus. That's the kind of love that he always wanted for us. And that's a great way to stay holy as well. That's a great way to fight the devil as well. Is while he's pursuing you to sin, you're pursuing to love and when sin comes to your door, it's so contrary, so polar opposite of what you're striving to do. You just pff, shrug it off as if, get out of here. This has nothing to do with my journey of love. Why would I ever go down that road when my road is over here? But when we're idle, we consider sin. We play with sin. We flirt with sin. And we're dealing with the greatest sin of all, the lack of love, the lack of obedience to love our Lord and to love our neighbor. Consider Jesus today. Consider how he purposefully, offensively, faithfully loves and loved you. And then take that model and apply it to those in your life. And you will be like Christ. And I will be like Christ. And every single day, we need to strive to walk in love because this is not our eternal home. We are on mission here. And that mission has been very clear. That mission is to imitate our God. And one day we will be rewarded 
for the way that we loved our Lord and loved our neighbor. And right now, that is our goal. That is our commandment. That is the theme of our life, to walk in love. And when we don't, we are being disobedient, even if we're just not sinning. We need to be practically, offensively pursuing the greatest commandment God ever gave us. I hope you'll think about that today. I hope that would be inspiring and motivating to you to get after love as if it's the most important thing in your life because it is. And God has reminded us of that once again. Many blessings. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.